Thanks for checking out our first episode of The Offseason. Today, Matt and I talk about the recent coaching hires. We answer your listener questions, including the value of Le'Veon Bell and David Montgomery, among others. And we have a big announcement about our offseason plans. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, we we struggled. We struggled through the holidays, but we made it through. We're here in 2020, and we are ready for the Dynasty offseason. How are you, my man? I am great, bud. And like you said, we promised a couple months ago we're going to be consistent. We're coming at you every week. The holidays did trip us up, but I think we're ready to bring more content than ever, possibly. Yeah, yeah, we, we almost made it through. Uh, and we, Not bad. We want to thank our buddy Dan Sanio again for all of his work uh, and help with us throughout the regular season, giving those dynasty takes and updates on constantly changing player value. We appreciate that from him. We'd love to have him back next regular season to do that again. But we've got a lot of things planned this offseason, Matt. I think it's going to be a good one for us and for our listeners. Um this this first show of the offseason, we're going to be taking some listener questions, and you and I have talked about this many times before. Uh, these, uh, these end up being some of our favorite episodes because we get to cover so much, we get to talk about so many topics, and of course we get to hear from our listeners who we always appreciate. And I was looking over these questions. First one of the year, we, we got uh, close to 50 questions, Matt, and a lot of them were focused on two topics. One was buys and sells, players to buy and sell this offseason. The other was on this incoming rookie class. I know you're just starting to dive in. Uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting in myself. I, I don't feel like I'm maybe as uh, as caught up as I am in other years. So so we're probably both in similar spots on the class. I'm excited about it. I know I know enough to know that. So we're pro- we're not going to hit on either of those topics today. We're going to save both of those. Uh, but we do have a big announcement related to one of those. The 2020 class, as always, we're going to cover these incoming rookies. We're going to have some great guests every single week. But we're going to keep one of them around, just as we did with Dan. We had him on uh, as a recurring guest every week. We're going to do the same thing with another one of my buddies and our buddies, Ray Garvin. Ray has been on the show before. And and Ray just had some big news today, Matt. I don't I don't know if you saw this. Ray is now a senior writer at Dynasty League Football over there with me. Nice. And he's Congrats also yeah he's also the Devi team lead, which well deserved on both of those uh, both of those fronts. Ray is is a great source of uh, information for these for these college players. He's a former college football player himself. So he's got that experience. He's got that eye. He loves to uh, watch film, and, and he has a take on every player you can imagine. So we're going to have Ray on every single week, uh, and it's going to be focused on each week one different uh, different incoming 2020 rookie. 
It's good. They're, those are going to be short episodes. We're just, Matt, you and I are just going to sit back and kind of let Ray do his thing as he tells us about these, uh, these incoming rookies and uh, what we should be looking for, what we expect their value to be in dynasty leagues, uh, some draft projections, some player comps, all of that stuff Ray is going to hit uh, and, and hit hard on a weekly basis. So really excited about that. Yeah, I am too. He does a great job. He's been on here before. Hopefully most of you have already heard him. You're following him on Twitter. You're paying attention to Ray's work. He does a great job. Um, as you guys know, Ryan's ahead of me in the, the prospect evaluations and whatnot. So he'll have some, you know, of course, Ryan will have some contributions, and but it's going to be mostly Ray running the show and doing most of the talking and my role is going to kind of speak for all of you listening and kind of ask questions and learn along with you. Is he, does he remind you of this guy? Does he fit this scheme? Those type of things. So I'm kind of excited to learn and kind of speak for all of you and have questions while Ray's teaching us. So we'll get those shows started next week with Ray again. We hope for that to be every week. It's going to be a shorter podcast than normal. Um, again, it'll be focused on just one player each week um, covering this incoming class. And I also mentioned some uh, buys and sells that you you guys had been asking about. Obviously, that's a hot topic this time of year. We got so many questions about that, Matt, that I decided that probably needed to be its own show. We're going to have to hit that next week and... And just to be clear, our plan is to go to two shows a week, one with Ray covering those incoming rookies, and then we'll have our normal uh, our normal show where we'll answer your questions, we'll bring on other guests, uh, and do kind of our normal off-season routine. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a great great lineup, great setup, good, great work by you organizing it all. It's going to be a really fun off-season. And, you know, all those dynasty players that had a bad year, they get, all of a sudden they get a little more... Uh, kicking their step and they're ready to dig back in and we're going to help you every step of the way. You got it. Matt, we do have some, we have some news. Uh, the off season is here for dynasty players and, and for many NFL teams, the off season is here as well uh, as we get ready for the second week of the NFL playoffs. And, and just in the past week or so, we've had four teams make some coaching changes with, with two of those just happening earlier today. We're recording here on Tuesday afternoon and I would love to get your take on these coaching moves and how you expect that to uh, impact the key players on those teams. Uh, we'll try to go in order. I think Washington was first. They were quick to uh, scoop up Ron Rivera, the former Carolina Panthers coach. Uh, obviously kind of a more of a traditional you know, football guy, old school type of coach. Uh, I think the first thing we heard was that he got rid of some of the uh, ping pong tables and shuffleboard tables. So <laughs> right. that's the, I don't know if that's the first thing you want out uh, if you're trying to uh, relate to you know to these young guys in the league or or not. But that's that was the first report I saw um, in Washington. It's I mean we know it's it's been a a tough situation for a few years. Did have a, a couple of good young players this past season. Uh, with Terry McLaurin, Dwayne Haskins was starting to come on at the end of the season before he got hurt. We know the situation with uh, Darius Geis. It's all a matter of staying healthy for him. How do you see Rivera impacting those three and the Redskins in general? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think the Mike McCarthy and Ron Rivera hirings are, are sort of similar in that they're kind of a 
leadoff double off the wall. You know, they're safe. They're not a home run. They probably won't become the best coach in the league. Maybe Joe Judge or Matt Rule ends up being those guys 10 years from now and have to be the next Belichick. But these guys both have won a lot of games at the NFL level. They're the adult in the room, especially in Washington. I think he's equipped to take them from bottom feeder to at least respectability, um, stabilize an organization and a young quarterback that absolutely needs it. I'm not real sure what to think of Washington in terms of scheme changes and whatnot, but I do think Rivera should work well with Haskins, and I like their young, uh, they have a little bit of a young core there, depending how much you trust Geis. I'm not sure you can, but um, I would think Rivera will probably go out of his way to, to add some offensive linemen to the mix. That's always helpful. I would think as it stands now, there's a real good chance they end up with Chase Young, which doesn't exactly help our cause, but maybe they trade down and get a bunch of picks. Um, again, real stable hire. I'm not sure that it has massive dynasty ripple effects, but I, 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 I'm open to the idea that, you know, maybe I'm missing something here. I mean, do you have any strong thoughts on, you know, does it bump Haskins or McLaurin or any of those guys? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I'm not sure yet either, honestly. And that has just, it's been a situation. I've said it on here. I've said it on Twitter and the DLF podcast and, and pretty much everywhere. This just has always been, or not as always, I'm sorry, but just in the past few years has been a team really to avoid, um, and I'm not sure yeah. if the Rivera hire changes that quite yet. It really feels like kind of status quo. And part of that is because of what you mentioned. Rivera and McCarthy certainly have, have one feel, and Rule and Judge have another feel. And it's funny, now, now that I really think about it, listening to you, it's, it kind of mirrors the dynasty offseason because it seems like so often when there is a coaching a coaching vacancy, of course, most of the time that is uh, that that aligns with a, a losing season or a rebuild from a from an NFL team. Mm-hmm. And in the offseason, as dynasty owners, we always want the unknown. We want the we want the young guy who has that perceived upside. <laughs> and we know how that goes. Sometimes it sometimes it really pays off uh, and you get Sean McVay and maybe more often than not you end up with with nothing you end up with that that bust freddie kitchens <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so you know Dal- dallas and washington did kind of play it uh, play it safe it seems they went for that that uh, veteran that you can buy for a second round pick in dynasty leagues rather than shooting for the uh you know going for the grand slam hire um Let's move over to Dallas. One quick note on Rivera, something you mentioned there, that I am 100% with you, that maybe you loved Haskins or Geis or whoever coming out of college, and then they land in Washington, and you go, ah, man. And now I think that's less true just because I think that he has a chance to get them to seven, eight wins. Allen's out of the way. It looks like Schneider's going to kind of back off, and he really has the last couple years anyway. So I, I think it's edging closer to being a professional organization that we don't have to avoid. Yeah, is Allen out of the way for sure? I saw some reports of that. I think he's out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And boy, he's that's long overdue. And I think that's the oh, okay. key here. Yeah, that might be enough to to kind of change that mindset mindset of making that a team to avoid. Let's move to Dallas. They hire Mike McCarthy. I would imagine a lot of what you just said about Rivera would 
uh, would be echoed for Dallas and McCarthy? Yeah, I, I think we know more about him because he's an offensive mind and the schematics of it all. Um, Mike Lombardi wrote a really good article on The Athletic today about the McCarthy hire, and some of it rippled with me in terms of a dynasty effect in that he thought, you know, McCarthy's often ripped for, boy, his schemes are very old and not, you know, real complex, real basic route combinations, offensive philosophies, execution-based, Aaron Rodgers will bail you out. But what Lombardi said was, well, a lot of that's because when he was in Green Bay, they would never get free agents. You know, the roster was always very young. There are always a bunch of draft picks that they couldn't teach him complex situations. So maybe McCarthy was tied up a little bit because of the organization he's with, and that won't be the case in Dallas. I mean, you talk about switching organizations, little Green Bay that doesn't really have an owner to the most prominent, biggest, you know, Everything's bigger in Texas and Jerry Jones. And I think McCarthy will understand his place. I hope he incorporates Elliott a lot more as a receiver. That's been making me crazy during the Garrett uh, you know, reign. But my a little bit of a worry or a little bit of a note is his last year in Green Bay, I mean, they were basically the past happiest team in the league. I'm not sure that's the recipe for success in Dallas, but he did take a year off. Supposedly really dug into analytics, took a step back, and we've seen coaches, you know, do that and learn and get a lot better at their craft. All right, let's talk about the, the two young guys, Carolina. These are harder to talk about because they're a little the, bit These are tougher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Carolina makes the, the surprise move uh, early this morning and hires Matt Rule. He is the coach at Baylor. I think he's been there two or three years. And if you watched their bowl game, they they mentioned it over and over, uh, which is, is understandable. the The turnaround that he had there in Baylor, I think, two years ago, he was that team was one and ten or one and eleven, and and now they go ten and two, eleven and one, whatever their record ended up being. Huge turnaround. Uh, he did the same thing at Temple before he went to Baylor. So that's kind of what he became known for is turning that team around. I don't know if Carolina needs that kind of turnaround. It doesn't feel like they're mm-hmm. that far away, but there are obviously some questions um, at the at the quarterback position with uh, Cam Newton, his health, and and even his future on the team. And if it's not Cam Newton, who is it going to be? Thoughts about Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I'm not sure what kind. Is he going to go to a more spread scheme? Are we going to have some... Kingsbury traits on offense. I'm not sure about that, but that would sure fit McCaffrey fine and wouldn't be bad for Newton is a bigger version of um, Kyler Murray, at least for the short term until somebody else shows up. I do know that Tepper, the, the owner of the Panthers, is massively well regarded. And I think it because of that, this might have been the sweetest job open. They gave him a ton of money. They gave him a very long contract. I think those things are all very favorable in terms of investing in Panthers. Um, so I'm going to kind of defer to, to Mr. Tepper in that this is a guy he wanted. We saw Matt Rule even in the position where he could turn down some interviews with teams like the Browns. So he was probably the most sought-after guy, got the best job, the best deal, I think all those things are favorable. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And, and not only, beyond the quarterback position questions, 
that that would probably be next on the minds of dynasty players is what does this do for McCaffrey? What does this do for DJ Moore? Uh, I did see a few thoughts uh, of uh, on Twitter today of folks who follow college football closer than I do. Uh, it sounds like really a focus on the top two receivers, not necessarily a, uh, the type of coach who is going to spread the ball around or, or uh, run that type of offense. So the, the early thoughts seem to be good news for DJ Moore mm-hmm. and, and Curtis Samuel as well. So, and then as far as McCaffrey, I mean, like I said, we'll talk buys and sells probably next week, but this guy is the, is the unanimous 101 in dynasty startups right now. Clearly his value can't get any higher coming off uh, the past two seasons that he's had. I would consider selling him. Um, and it's not just because of this coaching change, but we've had the running back talk a lot on here, Matt. And, and as I said, this, that'll, I'll just kind of leave that as, as a tease for next week. Um, I think the coaching change, the wear and tear on his body, the type of running back he is, it's not a panic sell, but I'd, I'd shop around. Well, you get a lot, and it, his stock can't go up. I mean, so that's a great point. Um, the last note here is Tepper does come from the Steelers organization, which really screams, you know, in this long-term deal that, hey, we're gonna, you're going to have a long leash. I plan on you being our head coach, you know, for the next 10-plus years. Yeah, yeah, very good call. Last one, and this was kind of related. The Giants were the expected landing spot for Matt Rule. He was on their their coaching staff years ago, and it had been reported that they each uh, kind of considered each other the the top option. Uh, that's what made the uh, the job in Carolina such a surprise for Rule. But instead, the Giants make a quick move after that Matt Rule news, and they hire Joe Judge. He is the wide receiver and special teams coach for the Patriots. I mean, Matt, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to follow assistant coaching staffs too closely, <laughs> right. but one thing that we know about the Patriots is, for the past few years, is their wide receivers have not, not been the highlight of their team. They've not been able to develop wide receivers, especially the ones that they have drafted multiple busts over the past few years and and then you see them you know trading for guys like Muhammad Sanu and uh, Josh Gordon obviously didn't work out that probably has <laughs> there a lot of reasons for that one Antonio Brown and Antonio <laughs> Brown again may, maybe some other things going on there too but you just don't think that on the surface that their wide receiver coach would be necessarily deserving of a head coach position and their special teams were not great this year either Good point. So, any thoughts on Joe Judge? I, I mean, I, I was not familiar with him prior to a week a week ago or so. No, I mean, I didn't know his name until about five hours ago, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have done a little background on him. I mean, he goes from Saban to Belichick. That's, that's good. I mean, if you're going to yeah. learn from two dudes, that's cool by me. You know Belichick and Giants ownership have a very close relationship, and I'm sure... That was very influential in getting Judge this job. Um, he's very young. I'd like that he has a special teams background. He's used to talking to the entire team. I'm sure it's an old school organization. I mentioned the Steelers. They're 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 looking at him as 
a 10-year type of guy, not a quick fix. And him and Daniel Jones can grow together and learn together for eternity and go off in the sunset in the Hall of Fame like Belichick and Brady. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's funny because I do this Steeler show and my co-host Dale Lawley has been a Steeler beat reporter for... I mean, really since the early 80s. And he had a really good point. He's like, I know this isn't going to really affect the dynasty world, but he said the Patriot uh, assistant coaches are not allowed to talk to the media. This guy goes to the biggest media market in the world, has never like done that or press conferences or been the face of an organization. And he might be the next coming and he may be a tremendous human being, but it's going to be a culture shock. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if he can handle it. He seems like one who uh, the the assistant coach hires for him are going to be really crucial as far as his coordinators. That's, um, that's maybe one we should watch from a dynasty standpoint, see who the offensive coordinator is. And, of course, there have been some early rumors that it might be Jason Garrett. So... We'll see about how that goes. Yeah. As of right now, all of those moves leave the Cleveland Browns uh, in the driver's seat, I guess we could say, for really whoever they want. I believe they're the, the only opening right now. Right. Um, so maybe that's Josh McDaniels or someone else. We'll, we'll wait and see. Lots of names being rumored with the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Let's tell everyone about my friends, our friends over at Harry's and – New Year's just happened. I'm sure a lot of you guys have New Year's resolution. Take better care of your body. Um, get out and exercise. Lose weight. Listen to Dynasty Blueprint more. Whatever it is, you know, saving money. Um, Harry's absolutely can help you with saving money and helping your appearance as well. Uh, razors can be expensive, but at $2 a cartridge, Harry's saves you money all year long. Take better care of yourself. You know, Harry's makes award-winning razors along with a whole range of grooming essentials to keep your 2020 routine in top shape. I've told you guys many times that years ago, I switched over to Harry's, use them every day. I've never grown stubble or a beard in my life. I truly do shave every day of my life. And my skin was very sensitive. I had to use, I couldn't use blades for a long time. I had to use electric until I found Harry's. So again, Harry's wants you to start your New Year's off right. New customers get $5 off a Harry's trial set when you go to harrys.com slash dynasty. Harry's knows a great shave doesn't come from flex balls or heated handles or any of that nonsense. Harry's is a return Harry's is a return to the essential quality craftsmanship at a fair price. This is how they do it. Their, their team combined a simple ergonomic design with five sharp blades. They source their steel from Sweden and manufacture their blades in a world-class factory in Germany. They cut out the middleman and ship directly to you, which saves you a ton of money and time. It's very convenient. Um, 100% quality guarantee, of course. Harry's stands behind the quality of their products. If you don't love their shave, and you will, let them know and they will give you a full refund. So, Harry's has a special offer for listeners of our show. New, cast, new customers get five bucks off a trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. You'll get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe that smells great, and a travel cover. Join millions of guys who've already switched and go to harrys.com slash dynasty to claim that offer. Matt, we told the uh, we said we were going to answer some listener questions. Let's do that now. First one comes from Jeff. Jeff says, I own Le'Veon Bell. His value is as low as it's ever been, but is it time to sell now for whatever I can get, or do you think his value will rise again? 
as far as his value, I think it's going to be falling at least throughout the offseason. Uh, there, there's a real chance that he's looking for a team again this offseason as he was last year. Uh, it sounds like things did not go well with the Jets, and it may be a situation where it's, uh, it's either him or Adam Gaze. Uh, I know a lot of people would much rather, a lot of Jets fans would much rather just keep Bell and, and look for a new coach, but I'm not sure if that's how that's going to play out. So kind of reading the tea leaves, it, it seems like Bell could get uh, cut or or even traded, and obviously that would impact his value depending on any new landing spot. If we don't get that spike in value, it's going to continue to tumble all off season long. Yeah. So. That really gives you two choices. You can sell right now for whatever you can get, or you can wait until next uh, regular season begins, and that's when we would prefer to sell those veterans, when they, they see that playing time spike in value. Yeah, I mean, you're really taking like 50 cents on the dollar now to, to sell them, right? Well, you know, I, I, that's kind of my impression, um, and it, it always depends on the league, of course. I did check out the Dynasty Trade Finder at DLF, uh, where you can look up actual trades that have happened in dynasty leagues uh, across the country. And I am surprised at how many involve Le'Veon Bell on hmm. a first-round pick. Wow. He's still he's still going for a first-round pick in, in several trades. That's not just uh, one or two rare instances. There's several that involve Bell for a first-round pick, and sometimes there's, there's other pieces involved there. That's surprised me i would take any first rounder i could get for him especially if you're getting a a 2020 first uh, again we'll get into that class in the next couple weeks uh with ray but like i said we know enough to know it's going to be good any first round pick for Le'Veon bell is an accept for me um, so as far as jeff goes yeah i would i would try to see if you can get a first round pick based on these trades if you can't you probably have to hold him all off season I mean, I would probably go go so far as to say, you know, we know draft orders by now. Maybe a top fifteen pick, a top sixteen pick, early second. I would consider. I'd love to get out from under him if I owned him. He's had so much wear and tear. Um, I think there's is a good chance, as you mentioned, he's on a different team. But if he is on the Jets, I think his situation only improves in that Darnold's second year with the with Gase. They have to address O line. And if he's a running back, I doubt that they will go out and add competition to him. So if he returns, I think his situation improves. Next question comes from Mike. Mike says, what elite wide receivers would you sell this offseason to restock? And what would you be looking to get value-wise? Uh, I love this question because this is one of the one of the things I think is so important in Dynasty. Knowing when to sell uh, a player at the right time. Uh, before they lose all that value, as, as Le'Veon Bell maybe already has. Uh, and, and it's even more important at the wide receiver position. I think the first name that comes to my mind is Julio Jones. Yeah, I think it's, in, in some ways, it's already too late. His value is already not co- coinciding with his production. We saw him again this year as not just a wide receiver one, but uh, I believe a top five wide receiver, especially the way he ended the season uh, on a tear. And right now he is he, he's outside of that wide receiver one range in our dynasty ADP. Uh, in fact, he's, he's behind 
players he's never been behind before, been drafted behind. Uh, Kenny Galladay, A.J. Brown is is one of the hottest names in Dynasty. He has jumped ahead of Julio Jones in ADP. Uh, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Odell Beckham, Stefan Diggs. Julio's behind all of these guys right now. And I don't know that his trade value aligns with what he actually brings your dynasty team. So he's one that it may be too late to make that move. Yeah, I mean, I assume the same's true for Julian Edelman, T.Y. Hilton. One name I, I wanted to throw out there because he just made a huge play. I bet people are thinking, oh, Adam Thielen's back. I mean, he wasn't that impressive in that game with the exception of a deep, deep play. Maybe he goes for 85 yards against the Niners, and then you can dump that 29-year-old for what you, he cost maybe last offseason. I mean, I'm reaching a little bit, but I'm hoping you know he shows up big down the stretch here and gets, gets back on people's mind and back on the, the good list instead of the naughty list. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. Thielen made the big play that essentially won the Vikings that game. Maybe that's, that is enough to give Dynasty owners the – you know, the warm fuzzies mm-hmm. right now, his, his ADP is, uh, 50 overall. Uh, he is right around Christian Kirk in ADP. Um, he is ahead of Tyler Boyd, ahead of Michael Gallup. I would take Michael Gallup for him in a heartbeat. I'd take Christian Kirk for him in a heartbeat. I think that is a good call. Thielen is, is a good one. And of course, hindsight being 2020, we would have sold him this time last year. Sure. One one other quick name I just wanted to run by you that you obviously can't give away, and it's not a McCaffrey-type ransom, but DeAndre Hopkins is 27. He's never been a great separator and is only going to slow down. It hasn't mattered because even when he's covered, he get, brings down the ball. Um, I mean, I would consider it. I mean, there, it might be a time where you look at him and say, boy, this was... That, that this was the offseason to move him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And Mike asked about elite wide receivers. So if you're looking at the very top guys in our current ADP, Hopkins is wide receiver two. Devonte Adams is wide receiver three. Those are both guys I would consider moving off of. And as I said with McCaffrey, it's it's certainly not a panic move. I'm not. No, no. I'm not scared to have those guys on my team. But if you can move from Hopkins to Adams, down to and and down kind of. I put that in air quotes, uh, down to Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Moore. Evans, DJ Moore. Uh, we talked about AJ Brown being the hot name, some, some risk there, of course. But if you can move from Hopkins or Adams to Hill, Godwin, Moore, Sutton, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then ideally you're picking up something on top of that. Those are, those are the types of moves I would make. You know, trading those guys for two random first rounders that's that's not the move to make. Don't do that. <laughs> but if you're if you're getting back an elite wide receiver and you're picking up something on top of that, absolutely. Yeah, maybe move up big in the first round or something like that, or you know, um, add a future first or something along those lines. I think Keenan Allen's also in that conversation, yep. <laughs> but he's probably the tier below. You know, I mean, you get to get a little less. It, Exactly. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Keenan Allen right now is ahead of uh, Cooper Cup and Calvin Ridley in ADP. He's ahead of DK Metcalf. I think if we drafted again right now, that would not be the case. But obviously, if you can get Metcalf for uh, Keenan Allen, I would do that. And then he's guys right above him include 
uh, Cortland Sutton and Kenny Galladay. So those are some some pivots from Allen. I agree with you. Questions about uh, the quarterback and, and the entire offense moving forward for the Chargers. So uh, Allen is another one I would consider moving. Yeah. Next question comes from Dan. Dan says, how are you handling David Montgomery? Buying low or getting out while you can? More buying low or hold for me. Yeah, I think you have to hold. I'm, I'm really surprised at how far his value has fallen. I, I guess I give, the, I give those top rookie picks maybe the benefit of the doubt. And We recently did a uh, 2019 rookie draft do-over over at DLF. We, we, of course, held a three-round rookie draft for the 2019 class. And David Montgomery fell to the end of the first round. I think he was the 111 or 112 pick. I was hmm. I was shocked at that. I would I would still value him um, as a top six rookie in this class. I think so. What I was surprised to see how much his value, at least according to that, really had fallen. And when you look at ADP, when you look at some recently completed trades, it's the same exact thing. His value has fallen and fallen quickly. Uh, and because of that, I'm I'm going to agree with you. Hold or maybe even buy low. Right. Uh, that's my thoughts, too, is he didn't test great, and I don't think he's ever going to be a super explosive breakaway guy, you know, on Sports Center week after week type of running back. But I also think of this time of year, a big thing that my how my mind works with these guys are really analyzing the team from an NFL perspective. Bears don't have a first-round pick. They just traded up for him a, a year ago. Tariq Cohen's there, but he's not that much of a threat. I mean, they have other fish to fry this offseason. I think Montgomery leads the team in rushing again, and that's enough for me to hang on to him. Yep, I totally agree. Next question comes from Tubaka, our buddy. We oh, couldn't we couldn't do a listener questions without without Tubaka. Uh, and it's it's an easy one for me at least. DJ Chark or Debo Samuel? Matt, who do you want? It's not easy for me. I mean, oh, I okay. think Chark is the choice, but boy, I think these organizations are polar opposite. We talked about not wanting to own Redskins. I think the Jags are really quickly falling in that category of I want nothing to do with that team, that organization. I don't want to invest in anything, whatever colors they are. But I think Chark is worth more right now. Well, I, I was saying it was an easy one, and I'm, I'm going with Samuel. Are you? Um, now, looking at their ADP, and again, this is from January ADP, brand new, not even on the site yet. Chark's ADP is 41.8. Debo Samuels is 42.7. So that makes that a, a pretty good question from uh, from Tubaca because they are being valued, according to our mock drafters, uh, essentially the, the exact same. I'm taking Samuel for some of the same reasons that you talked about, just really more the the trust in the offense, uh, the coaching staff mm-hmm. there. I mean, w- we can assume that Gardner Minshew is going to be the quarterback for Jacksonville, but that's certainly not even set in stone. So there's there's plenty of questions with the Jags and, and DJ Chark. Um, an impressive breakout year for him. Uh, but Samuel as a rookie showed, I think showed as much upside as Chark. And uh, like I said, feel, feel much better about the quarterback, the offense, the coaching staff, really everything. I'm going Debo Samuel here. Yeah, I see why. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders might not be back. He may be their number one receiver. 
I mean, Kittle looms large a little bit for me, but they're going to get a lot more points, first downs, you know, in San Francisco than they are Jacksonville. So it's a bigger pie to split up. Yeah, that's true. That that was I was going to say that's the only knock we know. We know Samuel, at least for the next year or two, is not going to be the top option. It is going to be George Kittle, uh, where it looks like Chark has already ascended to that that top target for the Jags. Matt, last question uh, we're going to take today comes from Chris. Chris says, what do you see happening with Raheem Mostert? Uh, So we saw a a little bit of a late-season breakout from Mostert, who took over that 49ers backfield. Um, and, And I saw a lot of comparisons to Damian Williams and and what happened last year with the Hmm. Chiefs once Williams took over. I I see some similarities as as far as these are both journeyman running backs who hadn't really done much um, until until that that late season opportunity came upon them. I I was buying in with Damian Williams, at least as as a short-term option for this past season. I'm not there with with Mostert. Um, you know, there's still, still some strong competition there on his own team. We'll see if they add anybody else. Um, I I don't, I don't view him as the hands down starter in 2020. Do you? No, no. I mean, uh, when you said that Damian Williams comparison, I said, Hmm. And then I thought about it. Yeah. I understand the comparison in that fresh legs late in the year. I mean, I always think there's some running backs that step up that last month that doesn't, they didn't go through 23,000 train wrecks to this point, and they're fresher than everybody else in a really good offense, but really aren't that talented. And those kind of guys um, scream sell to me. You know, like I picked up Damian Williams last year, sold him after a couple good, as soon as the season ended, and just thought, he's not that good at the game. And I'm getting out of that. Um, who knows? I mean, I, I think the Niners are forever going to haunt us with the hot hand week to week. Yeah, I think so as well. And and Mostert is is not a name maybe that a lot of casual fans knew, even even if you were a dynasty player, are a dynasty player. He's 27 years, years old. He's been in the league for uh, four or five years. This is just not somebody that's going to come in and, and take over the backfield. And in fact, if I'm looking at what they have right now, I don't think I would even consider him the favorite. Uh, no. You know, Tev- Tevin Coleman worked his way into uh, the doghouse. Matt Breda dealt with injuries, as he pretty much always does. But I'd still rather have either one of those guys in a dynasty league over Mostert. Yeah, and I think you have to mention Jared McKinnon. I mean, he's still making a ton of money. I assume he'll get cut and won't be in the equation, but he's a niner at the moment. This sounds rough, but I think Mostert should be happy, should be closer to being happy that he's employed by an NFL team than he is being the man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know? um, so last year I did not sell Damian Williams. I wish I did. Uh, but if I had Mostert right now, I would certainly sell him. I know I know some people were getting first-round picks for Williams this time last mm-hmm. year. You said you cashed out. I don't know what you got. Uh, the price is not going to be that high for Mostert. He, he didn't have quite the end-of-season tear that we saw from Williams. Uh, as, as good as the Niners are, the, the Chiefs, and really any Chiefs player carries more value. That helped Williams last year. So you're not going to get that same type of return for Raheem Mostert, but if you can get even a late second rounder, I think you should jump at that. Yeah, I agree. And this is something I'm going to harp on a lot this off season, especially because this is such a good class at running back and wide receiver. But I, I bet I'm putting words in your mouth, but I bet there's 
eight to ten running backs coming out this year you'd rather have than Mostert, and I bet there's ten to fifteen wide receivers. Oh, there's probably there's probably fifteen of each at least. Yeah. So if you get second, great. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, that is going to do it for today. Thanks for listening. We are we're really excited about this offseason, as you can probably tell. Again, we're going to uh, not only bring you an episode every week, as we promised a while ago, but we're going to bring you a couple of episodes each week, one of those with our buddy Ray Garvin, to focus on this incoming rookie class. That will start next week. For now, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Recap.